Christina, and this is the Service Design Show. Hi everyone, my name is Mark and welcome again to a new episode of the Service Design Show podcast. This show is all about helping you to design services that have a positive impact on people and are good for business. My guest in this episode is Stine Ringwijk-Marcel. Stine is the Service Excellence Director at the Copenhagen Airport, where she's responsible for driving the efforts to improve the overall customer experience. In the next 30 minutes or so, Stina and I will be talking about the challenges of designing customer experience in a high-stress environment. We'll talk about how to make high-level strategy work in day-to-day -day operations. And finally, how to use customer feedback to change employee behavior. But before we start, there are some things that I'd like you to know. The first one is, if you want to have an exclusive behind-the-scenes look of the show, make sure to check out our brand new Instagram page, which you can find at instagram.com slash service design show. And if you're interested to learn how to explain service design in plain English, check out the free course that I've got for you, which you can find at servicedesignshow.com slash free course. And finally, a lot of people have done it already and I want to thank you all, but if you haven't done so, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know that you're listening to the podcast. So that was it for the introduction. And now let's quickly jump into the interview with Stina. Welcome to the show, Stina. Thank you. Awesome to have you on. Uh, I really like to have sort of the uh, um, practitioners or maybe the, the clients of service design on the show because it's really easy to find the agencies, the consultants, the designers themselves but you're a person who's actually consuming service design. So uh, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Try, trying to use it. Yes. Consuming exactly. And trying to use it. Exactly. Yes. So uh, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask all my uh, guests on the show um, and which we start with. And that is, what is your first memory of service design? It was... Um my first memory was when I worked as a user experience consultant in a small agency and our clients started um, to ask us, okay, so now you designed our web page and we would like to design the experience that people get when they enter our call center or enter our store. And to get the expert on that, my um, colleagues contacted uh, the guru on service design here in Denmark, Otsan Beckman. And um, if I wasn't married to my wife, this guy would be the love of my life. <laughs> he literally sort of sent me down this path that wow. I just find so inspirational in cool. in ways. Yes. Oh wow! Uh, we we need to get them on the show next, probably. Uh, <laughs> Stina, you've sent me three super interesting topics. I've sent you a, a bunch of question starters. We're going to improvise, do some interview jazz. Uh, are you ready? I am ready. Okay. I'm going to pick the first topic, and it's really cryptic, so I'm really curious what you'll make out of this. And can you pick a question starter? This topic is called customer feedback. Do you have a question starter that goes along with this topic? My question would be, um, why use customer feedback? And obviously, when you want to do a design process in any way, you need to sort of know who you are designing it for. Mm -hmm. um, know their innermost emotions, or almost. Um, and for that, obviously, customer feedback is very valuable. Now, 
Customer feedback is a lot of things. For me, what is important is not necessarily to get the percentages of who said what right, but to get a more um, qualitative insight in what is top of mind and the emotional most important thing for this person passing through a given touch point. And one of the things that I use a lot is uh, the net promoter score, but mm -hmm. sort of twisted a little bit because for instance, it's very difficult to ask people, um, uh, would you recommend your colleagues or friends or family to go through a security check? Because who <laughs> But so we twist the question in a, in, in a way, but I still use the, um, the numbers in the sense where I look at who answered zero to six to see what should we try to get away from and then mm -hmm. who answered nine and 10 to be able to sort of praise the employees for whatever behavior that the customers are praising them for, trying to make that our standard. So to make... Um, to sell to employees and an organization the idea of why should we improve anything here? Or why should we work with this? It's super powerful to have the voice of the customer saying, we actually see you like this and be able to use that both as a, as a carrot in a way where you say, mm, mm. when your customers love you, this is what you do. And that's awesome. Um, and then to invite a work group in and say, all right, so this is the criticism that we get. How can we counter that without it being costly, without it being, um, tiresome in the everyday operations. Mm. Um, and so, yes, customer feedback is super important. So uh, um, we've had the topic of customer feedback uh, come up uh, quite a lot on the show, uh, also related to uh, airports. And the, one of the topics back then was, how do you gather that feedback? And uh, this is uh, like a two-stage question. First, of course, how do you gather the feedback? And, and are you also looking at feedback that is outside of the doors of the airport? How do you, how do you, do you take that into account? How do you mean feedback outside of the airport? Well, before somebody enters uh, the airport or after they have left, is that also something you look at? But let's, let's yeah. focus on the first, how do, how do you gather f uh, feedback and what is the most powerful way that you found to do that? So um, one thing that's really important is to know that I am not the analytical department of the airport. We have a, an expert department on, on that. But for the purpose that I'm using feedback, um, obviously we have our sort of overall satisfaction analysis that is, mm -hmm. that is um, an analysis where we also can compare ourselves to other European airport of the same, airports of the same size. Um, but when I work with a specific touch point, what I'm interested in is to get specific feedback on that and, and, and feedback that is not just a number per se, yeah. but where we really see what is the emotional input of, of, of the customer. And, and can you give me an example of how you've seen that customer feedback has influenced um, decision-making or employee behavior? Um, well, I mean, for instance, we have in the airport a number of staff checks. Like when someone like me needs to go into the terminals, we go through the same type of security check that a, that a, that a, that a passenger does. Um, and so in the staff check, we influence the way all of our business-to-business -business customers view the airport because for some of them, 
It is the only place where they actually encounter a, a CPH employee. CPH is the airport I went mm -hmm. for Copenhagen. And um, so we did um, uh, a survey where we actually didn't use a lot of money. We just had 10 interviewer hours. And then we asked customers on a scale from zero to 10, what was your experience of the staff tech check today and why? So they had to type, you know, mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. was my experience. Um, and we actually did the same survey towards employees and said, in your opinion, what is the customer experience going through staff check? And so we got both the feedback of employees and the feedback of customers. And based on that, I was able to... Um, to facilitate uh, workshops with employees that then help develop sort of our service um, principles for the staff check. Mm. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and um, if, if you could dream, if, if you had all the money in the world, all the time in the world, what would you, what, what would you like to do with customer feedback? What are, what are your dreams or ambitions regarding that? Well, first of all, I don't think I need all the money in the world to um, obtain my dreams on this because um, there's also a limit to how much data you can actually process. Mm. So, and that's one of the reasons I love just asking on a scale from zero to 10, what was your experience and then why? Because then I get what what is the first thing on that person's mind that day in that moment. And when we then have worked maybe six months with initiatives trying to counteract the stuff that people are unhappy with and to standardize the things that people love us for, then we can measure again. And we don't need a gazillion interviews yeah, to measure. Yeah. But, but what I look at then is, has the number one negative comment been erased from the comments from the customers? And if yes, then we have been successful. If mm. no, um, I don't do, do my job well, mm. if you know it. Yeah. So th that's quite interesting because in, in, in service design, we sort of have the notion to do a lot of qualitative research, dig really deep. We, we like to do observations. We like to do a lot of uh, interviews and understand the complete world of, of passengers, patients, students, employees. Um, and you just, you're just saying, well, if, if you know the, the first biggest uh, pain points, that's enough to actually start working and roll up your sleeves, right? Yeah. And I mean, you can do it in, in many ways. You can do it by hiring an agency, but you can also, um, if, if you need to do it cheaper, you know, do it yourself. I mean, I yeah. could be up there yeah. doing it, you yeah. know. Um, but uh, right now I'm talking from my chair. So just to say the airport as a whole, we have a passenger department that works with behavioral design and mm. you know we have many different departments doing different types of research so for for um the field in which i work this is the way i prefer to work when it's a touch point where we have employees involved obviously um observing gives you a lot of data as well so i do i do some of that as well we're entering a process where um uh we're trying to design a new security experience and um, I'm a very small part of that big, big project. Um, but me and our behavioral designer from a different department will be sitting for quite a, an amount of hours and just watching what is the passenger experience here yeah. versus 
the passenger experience in another track where we do things slightly differently. Mm. So, so I mean, the the designing of the touch point also includes other methods than what I just described. That just happens to be my favorite. And, and I think uh, adding to that, you said, uh, if you want to do it cheaper, do it yourself. And I think it's not only that it becomes cheaper, but uh, if you do the research yourself, if you are engaged in the research process, the um, uh, it's it just so much more powerful, right? You don't need to convince other people. It, it, you, you, feel, you feel the pain of the passengers. Yeah, but I mean, but you know, walking the shoes of the customers is always something that I would recommend. Mm. Um, if you're looking at how to design an online payment sequence, you know, try it out when you're done. And, exactly. You know, but I do have respect for people working in huge organizations like myself where... Um, if we want to get sort of a representative image of how our customers experience us, you know, I would have to be here 24 seven and you know, that, <laughs> yeah, that would be true. very exhausting if I couldn't hire uh, some amount of help for it. But yeah. for sure you can do it. You know, you can scale it up or down depending on your budget for sure. Let's move on to topic number two, customer feedback. If, uh, if people are interested, leave a comment uh, on the video and uh, we can continue their conversation there. But for now, let's move to topic number two. Um, and I like this one already. Um, this is the topic of high stress environments. Do you have a question yes. starter <laughs> that goes along with this one? What if? Um, what if you need to design an experience in a high-stress environment? Like an airport. Like an airport, yes. I think one of the uh, main differences to working with custom experience in an airport environment versus, um, let's say, amusement parks, where I have worked before, I've worked in Tivoli and the, the Copenhagen Zoo, is that in an airport, everybody has some amount of stress, hmm. except if you arrive, you know, really early and have lots of time. But most people are slightly stressed about going through security or am I going to make make my flight? There's Do always I... that pressure, right? I, am I going to be on time? Yeah. There's pressure. Exactly. Um, and so one of the things I have really realized is that um, in many different departments of the airport, I, I need to design tools for the employees to be able to work with customers that have a high amount of stress because that's not always easy. Um, so yes, that's not always easy. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, the obvious question is, can you give an example of these tools and what, what, what do these tools do? Um, well, first of all, um, I mean, there, there are very sort of, um, um, uh, tangible uh -huh. um, example is body language. You know, uh, I always say to all of the staff we have that is passenger facing, and passenger facing is uh, security, but it's also our um, uh, passenger service agents that are present uh, on the mm -hmm. floor. It's our baggage trolley um, uh, employees, the ones that are mm -hmm. making sure that the trolleys are in the right place. Um, because they get moved around a lot, obviously. Um, so uh, our cleaning staff, all of those, is that when encountering a passenger, the the initial response uh, from them often is about um, lowering people's stress levels. You know, 
Um, most of our passenger contact is pleasant and fine, but um, a significant amount of employees come to me and tell me examples of um, really awful behavior, which is not because passengers in general are awful people, but they are in a situation that is immensely stressful for them for a number of reasons. And so um, talking to them about body language, training body language, um, training um, conflict uh, competences. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we haven't done yet, but we are um, in the process of developing that. And um, very interestingly, I thought that uh, security would be the place in which our employees would face the most stress, mm-hmm. uh, but it's actually parking. Um, wow. The staff that uh, when you enter a parking house and then for some reason you are unable to, to get in, your card doesn't work, your ticket doesn't scan, um, then they will call to our service center and people are very stressed in that situation. And our employees took quite a lot of um to put it politely, smoke sometimes, mm. you know, people would call up and not even say, you know, hello or anything, mm. just mm. back at, at, at that moment. So we've developed some guidelines for how do you answer a, mach- a machine like that because you're not face-to-face, so you can't calm them down with your body language. Yeah, yeah. Saying, you know, you've reached the operational center. Um, they now try to say, um, hi, welcome, how can I help you? To sort of um, make yeah. that... Um, give the customer the sentiment that I will be helped. You know, it may take take some time, but they will help. So it's a little, maybe a silly example, but just to say the way you frame things, the way you say things, simple sentences can mean a lot for the customer and the other. This is super powerful. And I can imagine that um, uh, sort of employees have to get used to this idea, right? Because I can imagine somebody is hired to put trolleys back into the right place. He's not per se hired to deal with stress passengers, right? Yes, for sure. But I mean, I think the way you work with customer experience go all the way back to your human resource department and who's yeah. recruited and yeah. how we how we frame the positions that we recruit. And I have to say that um, I've taught all of our um, uh, I've taught a lot of our passenger facing staff and. Most of them are super proud to be able to provide that service. You know, they are super proud to be part of the airport. They are super proud to, to provide the best possible customer experience. And then um, there are some situations where someone like me goes in and does a workshop with them to counter a specific issue, a challenge mm-hmm. or with, with the customer experience. Um, but it's not difficult to get people to work with me on customer experience because we live off of our customers. Yeah. Of course, there are some that say, why should I do this? Um, and my argument is always, the only way people are going to perceive you as good at your job is if you give them a great feeling in their stomach. You know, They will never know if you are the best security agent in the world. They will never know if you're the best electrician in the world only thing they judge you on is how you make them feel Yeah. because they will never know, you know, the security legislation or um, whatever you need to make that ventilation system work. They, they will never know it. They don't mm. have the same patient, but they will know how you make them feel. Mm. And so if we make people feel good, they will perceive you as someone who is good at your job. 
So, so everyone at an airport and maybe all in, in every service sector, everybody who's frontline staff is sort of, uh, part of their job is creating that experience, right? No, always. Yeah. Contributing to that experience. What is your, uh, if you look back on the period you're at the airport, what is your biggest insight relating, uh, regarding customer experience and high stress environments? What, what, what would you say is the biggest, biggest lesson you learned? The biggest lesson is probably that communicating to people in a high stress environment is difficult. Um, for instance, um, we try the best we can to make people well prepared for the security process. We have a whole project team around it. I am, uh -huh. again, a small part of that team. Um, and um, getting complex messages across, getting simple messages across is difficult. Getting complex messages across is really difficult. And so... Um, uh, yeah, and so the biggest lesson learned is basically, you know, um, it's difficult and you don't always succeed, but maybe you reach, you know, 75, 80%. Hmm. And I, I can so imagine that one of the design principles is you can sort of try to prepare people up front, but eventually it comes down to the moment where it happens. That, uh, yeah, and, you know, the reason we want people to be well prepared for the security check is that if they are not, then, you know, the person behind them will stand in a queue yeah. um, and be unhappy. And, and so we try leading up to the security checkpoint, we try to communicate as much as we can with crazy colors and simple icons and uh -huh. all of that, because we're communicating to everyone, um, you know, all our customer groups with count, you know, Chinese, Spanish, English, you know, everybody. Um, and so the messages have to be simple and precise. Um, and at the same time, sometimes it's a very complex message that we try to mm. communicate, you know, who, how much liquid are you allowed to have in which size of container and how should you pack it? And, you know, it's just, mm. it's just very difficult. High stress environments. Super interesting uh, topic that we'll uh, sort of wrap up for now and move on to the third one. And I think this one sort of builds upon what you uh, just ended with. Uh, and this one is called making strategy work. All right, let me see. I will, I will then choose this. All right, how can how we? How can we make our strategy work? So I'm, I would be talking obviously from making the service strategy or the customer experience strategy in a given touch point work. And um, honestly, what is most important is um, the process of developing that strategy in a sense where um, I will set a given target maybe for an area or you know, consult with the manager of an area. Do you think this is the words we would like to use? This is the place we wanna be? If they agree, then take in the employees and um, and use them as your partners in developing it. So that's, that's one thing when there is actual employees involved, obviously. Um, and then using customer feedback is great, but to make the strategy work, you really have to, you really have to understand um, the everyday work routine of the employees in order to understand what might be the, 
um, barriers to implement whatever you think is a great idea. Um, an example, when I just started in the airport, I took a bus ride with one of our bus drivers. And this was a bus picking up passengers um, plane side. And so I had this idea in my head that ah, it would be great if when we pick up the passengers, we could say, oh, to your left, you have terminal three and there's this building project going on right now. And that will lead to, blah, blah, you know, sort of a tourist guide of the airport while driving um, to the terminals. Not that our rides are that long, but still just a little bit of, you know, giving them a great experience. I thought that was such an awesome idea until I had been in one of those buses and saw how much those bus drivers have to um, watch out for driving airside. So, you know, if I hadn't done that, whatever strategy I would have developed would have fallen completely on the floor for safety reasons, you know? Um, so just an example of how involving the employees in your developing work is important, but it's also important to actually walk their shoes. So walk the shoes of the customer to understand what experience are we giving them, and then walk in the shoes of the employees to see what are the barriers and what are the options, what are the opportunities in terms of, of implementing um, whatever it is that, that needs to be implemented. Another thing I think is, is, is crucial when you want to implement um, strategy is to understand the manager that has to implement whatever it is that you're you know, bringing to the table. How, in, in what way? I, I use a lot of time trying to see how can I best assist this manager um, to, you know, perform towards his, his manager or her manager and also to look good in the eyes of the employees, because that's really what um, what what motivates people. Um, and so, you know, I will do everything from making the presentation this person needs to use and um writing the sound of the emails that could be sent out to employees to make mm -hmm. sure that that manager isn't sort of dragged down from the daily operation by all of the work that I now as the service excellence director tell them they also need to do. So I'm, I, I'm really involved in all levels. And I think to all levels of the organizational hierarchy, if you want. Um, and I think it's important to provide that support and to think of yourself as the person supporting others in their performance. That's exactly sort of what I wanted to ask you is, do you feel your role has become much more of a facilitator and maybe of a guide, a compass that helps people to do the right things and facilitate them to do the right things? Oh, for sure. I'm. I, when people ask me, you know, what is behind the title of Service Excellence Director, I said, it's a director in the sense where I direct people in the right, you know, in the right sort of direction. Um, and on that way, I try to help them as much as possible. Um, and, and so, and so, yes, I'm, I'm definitely um, facilitating the process of working with customer experience across the organization. I, I, um, I'm also I, I'm also really curious, sort of making strategy work that is uh, uh, translating it uh, into operations. That's that's one way. Uh, but I'm really curious if you also see it happening the other way. So uh, is strategy uh, emerging from operations? Is, is it like oh, sure. is it like a circle? Sure. I mean, when I talk strategy right now, I'm not. I'm obviously the work I do 
is a leg in the Copenhagen airport overall strategy. Yeah. But so when I talk about rolling out strategy, I'm not talking, you know, as a human resource manager trying to develop a company. I'm trying, I'm, I'm talking about the specific touch points that are, you know, related to the service excellence program, if you will. Um, so, yeah, sorry, what was your question again? Well, the, the, the question I can, uh, from strategy to operations, that's one way. Uh, but I'm also really curious if the strategy you, uh, you use comes from operations. So if it uh, goes the other way around. Do, do no, for sure. I mean, when I say that I do employee workshops to get, yeah. to get input, that input shapes how the end strategy, you know, turns yes. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so strategy is always like a translation of uh, it, it. It mirrors what maybe is already happening in, in operations, and then formalizes it or takes it to the next level, right? Some so, something like that. I mean, an example. Um, one a specific touch point um, that I worked with had uh, the major complaint, not complaint, but you know, on a scale from zero to ten. When I looked at the zero to six comments, the the most a frequent comment was there's too much private chatter between employees. Um, and uh, so what then happened was that the employees said, all right, we think the same thing, but we just don't like to tell our colleagues to, to be quiet because I'm going to be working with him or her for, for eight hours. Um, but so they set up sort of um, a zone saying, okay, from that door to this place, if there are customers within that space, um, we include the customers in our talk or we don't talk privately. Um, and so that was a way to make it very clear, um, you know, when is private chatter between us acceptable and when is it not? Because it wasn't because employees were trying to give a bad customer experience that they would talk between each other. There's just a big difference between when do I feel it's embarrassing to talk about what happened during our last party um, and when do you feel it's embarrassing? You know, maybe for you it's 10 meters and for me it's one. Um, so this was a way to have, you know, the input we got from customers and actually the input we also got from employees become part of the strategy of how do we want to manage this specific touch point. Hmm. Super interesting to work, work in that way. Um, Stina, and you also get the opportunity, like all the other guests on the show, to ask ask a question, the viewers, the listeners of the show, is there anything we can maybe help you with or think about, you want to challenge us? Is there anything on your mind? No, I mean, if, if I were to, to ask uh, the viewers and listeners, I would love to know what was your best airport experience ever and why. <laughs> and especially the why is important, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> um, Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. Like, again, I'm really always interested to hear stories from people consuming and using service design instead of just us designers. So, Sina, thanks so much. You're welcome. So that was it for this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share or comment on it on whatever platform you're listening. And if you haven't done so already, add me on LinkedIn and send me a message that you're listening to the podcast. If you're still eager to learn more, check out our YouTube channel where you'll find more videos with content that is not included here in this podcast. 
thanks so much for listening to the service design show it was great having you enjoy the rest of your day and i'll catch you in two weeks time with a brand new episode